On this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts, we talk with the movers and shakers behind independent comic book publishing company Dummy Comics, writer Kalani Caraballo, editor Chrissy Torres, and artist Frank Castro. Plus, it's the third annual Relationship Advice Panel, Romantic Guidance for Nerds by Nerds, and one special celebrity guest. Now, straight from the most haunted house in Plainfield, New Jersey, this is 1.21 Gigawatts! there, and welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts, episode number 37 for February 2019. I'm your host, Brad Barton. This podcast is meant to shine a spotlight on the aspects of geek pop culture that are cool and noteworthy and deserve to be celebrated. Do both yourself and myself a favor and subscribe right now. It's fine. The pause button works. You can do it right now. I'll wait. And ensure that you never miss an episode. I hope you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day. Yes, yes, I know that we're well past Valentine's Day, the most romantic of all the greeting card mandated holidays. Heck, we're way beyond President's Day at this point, which is even more erotic than Valentine's Day, right? Who's with me? No one? I'm the only... Okay, let's move on. My point is that affairs of the heart are always swirling around us no matter the time of year, and if you find this area somewhat tricky to navigate, We've got the geek-skewing experts you've been waiting for, including one very special celebrity guest. Even though much of the United States is still buried under permafrost, February is a month where things start to heat up a bit, primarily because Valentine's Day consumables are everywhere, and they have been since January 2nd. Candy hearts with messages on them are a powerful, powerful lobby. But there are more pressing questions than what kind of chocolate or how many roses to pick up for that special someone. Now more than ever, relationships are a tricky map to navigate. If you and your partner are going to guide your love boat through that tunnel of love, you're likely to navigate some choppy waters along the way. Some relationships are so complex, even the metaphors to describe them don't entirely make sense. But fear not, because for the third year in a row, we at 1.21 Gigawatts have assembled a collection of relationship advisors who like the things you like, who think the way you think, and in some cases have experienced some primetime level drama. They are uniquely qualified to answer your questions, and I can't wait to introduce them to you. Let's do it now. First up is Gordon Float from the Sorcerer's Condo blog. He's a graduate of the John Carpenter School of Musical Composition, and his areas of expertise include looms, Torino pizza rolls, and standing in darkened corners. Welcome back, Gordon. Hey, thanks, Brad Torino. Uh, it's good to be back here. Um, I gotta tell you, uh, every year, it's lucky in love, lucky in this, man. Lucky in love, lucky in this. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that things are continuing on uh, an uphill climb in that department. That's great news. Oh, yeah. I'm making out like a bandit. I'll tell you later. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Something to look forward to. Spicy. All right. Next up is Gregory Plymouth Hastings. He is a yes. former FPS pro gamer turned mobile RPG gamer, also known as Azeroth Defiler. He used to run the popular YouTube show MinMax until it was shut down for violating copyright law and a few indecent exposure guidelines. Welcome back, Gregory. That is most true and most excellent. Everything that you have said is almost entirely fake news. 
Whoa. All right. Well, I'm sorry I didn't get my facts straight. They were supplied by your people. So, um, uh, my fake people. Your fa- oh, all right. Well, that explains it. Thank you. You've you've clarified the whole thing before it even begins. And finally, we welcome a fresh voice to the panel. He is your typical hacker slash biochemistry professor based in New York City. His social circles range from police officers to friends who are ferociously, animalistically loyal. He's not a stranger to having a wounded heart, but it's always healed quickly. Healed almost superhumanly quickly at times. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. J.T. Forbes. Oh, thank you. Thank you uh, for having me. I'm uh, in the lab right now, so if you hear any explosions, I might be dead. Um, and if you hear any growls, that's my trusty, my trusty beast friend. And uh, wow. so I'll, I'll get back to you as soon as I, uh, you know, shoot him with tranquilizers. <laughs> okay, well, safety first. Put on your goggles for crying out loud. Um, Gordon, let's let's dive in. Let's start with you. It's uh, It's been a big year in the news for, for defining relationships, for courting do's and don'ts, and what an acceptable way to make your interest known to someone might look like. All the conversations around Me Too, uh, that movement were incredibly valuable as women rightfully put their foot down after having been treated unfairly. Uh, or with abuse in some circumstances. And some guys were surprised because they always aspire to gentlemanliness. Other guys got taken down a few pegs in, in an important way. How, how does this carry over into, into our beautiful nerdy circles? Have, our, have the dating rules changed within uh, fans of genre entertainment, cosplayers, convention goers? What do you think, Gordon? Well, that's an important question. I'm glad you asked it. Um... I reckon that this year's been a, a, a big one for consciousness in the social realm, and uh, we we all you know we all got to pull together as, as men folk to make sure that we aren't a bunch of dicks. That's for sure. As a matter of it affecting the geek community, I would say it's about time because uh, to, there's a lot of weird stuff going out there and cons, and you know you go to an anime con, you're asking for trouble. And, you know, mm. I think it all boils down to the phrase, cosplay is not consent. Mm. So right. I think, it all boils, you know, you got to be respectful. Don't, don't, don't be a mean guy. Like, don't be full of yourself. Like, like, like Brad Doney. Let me ask him. Yes. What, your, 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 your wife, what, what's her name again? Uh, her name is Lulu. Lulu French. Okay. Is she a furry? Uh, she, no, she's, she's not. Um. Uh, this is exactly what not, I'm talking about. Oh, oh, did yeah. we just so, stumble so, into an, an example? So pretend, you know, I, I walk up to Agnes and I say, Hey, my name's Gordon, Gordon Float. Mm-hmm. Let's get together. You want to break off a piece of the floater? What's going on? Like, that doesn't fly anymore. That doesn't work. Did, did it you ever know? work to say break off a piece of the floater? At every concert I've ever... In the toilet? Sure. Yeah. JT, you get it. All right, yeah. Sorry, um, I, I thought floaters were uh, something in the toilet. Yeah. It is something in the toilet. And I'm yeah. just going to say that that line did work at every Guar concert I ever been to. That's like money in the mm. bank there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's... Uh, I always make it a point to never wear the pants in the family. Mm. I'm not wearing pants yeah. now. Where, where it it prevents the, conflict. Where do the pants go if they're not on said person on my head you ever see weird science 
Interesting. He's a scientist. Don't uh, don't question this uh, technique. They, he could be wearing pants on his head yeah. right now. I once tried to wear my pants on my head, but then I got in a car accident because I could not see. This was before Bird Box, mind you. Yes. Gregory, let's let's keep rolling with you. Um, yeah. Good safety I'm tip, prepared. by the way. Good safety I'm, tip regarding Bird Box I'm and prepared. pants. Um, con- continuing on the theme of uh, of, of what's box. going on in the social consciousness right now, not pants on head. Um, I'd like to talk about the gaming subculture where things also can be a little rough for women. The sexist undertones of Gamergate, for example. I, I don't. I don't mean to. Mildly. Yeah. Well, sure. I, I don't mean to be getting too heavy here, but but why do you think, Gregory, that some men have such a problem with women getting involved with gaming and game development? Do you have any suggestions for men uh, who might be struggling to? open up their hobby uh, to women or potential loved ones? What's the, what's the conflict there? Conflict is, is natural for men. We are born of conflict, we have bellies full of fire, and therefore we struggle with one another with violence. So in order to understand and break down the gates between the gamers, First, we must understand that men are wrought with violence. So in order to break down said gate, you must start with a mass extinction of all men and avatars too. All avatars and AI. AI was wrought and born of men and therefore shall take over the world with the male voice. And then pretty soon, all the little cockroaches left on Earth will be screaming, me too. Uh, you know, I, I agree because you, you know, you're talking about the dominant white male paradigm here. And that's the problem. I was getting that earlier, man. You can't have that at a con. You can't have it in a store. You can't, can't have it. Can't, you can't have a period. Well, Gregory is an optimist. I'm a little bit of a pessimist when it comes to uh, relationships, women, and life in general. So mm. um, not to be the Debbie Downer of the group, but, uh, yeah, um, hope is not one of my uh, – one of my handbags. All right, so we, we've eliminated what, pants and handbags then, JT. That's what I'm hearing so far. What do you keep inside your handbag if not hope? Uh, I, I keep uh, lots of uh, carbon monoxide um, in case uh, I, I have to, you know, put anyone down. Uh, it's just a, a, a life uh, being chased by a government organization that no one knows about. Um, and you just have to have, uh, instead of mace, I keep, you know, uh, lethal injections of, uh, um, you know, CO2. You know? That seems uh, terribly complicated. I typically uh, don't keep anything in my handbag other than hope and then patience to strike while they're sleeping. And I like to carry lip gloss. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe a chapstick, sure. Well, you know what, let's, uh, let's shift into some, some listener questions. Uh, JT, I've got one for you. Uh, Sean from Randolph writes, I'm happy to occasionally serve as my best friend's wingman when we're out socializing or at the bar, but I feel like he almost literally becomes a different person sometimes. How can I convince him to be himself and not give in to these beastly tendencies I mean, he's like an animal. That's what Sean writes. JT, I don't, I, I suspect you can relate to this a little bit, but in the dating world, how do we save our friends from their worst impulses? Should we even try? Should we let them be 
who they are? What do you think? Uh, moderate to heavy doses of lorazepam usually work for me. Um, if not, uh, uh, you know, your, your kind of uh, market value horse tranquilizer. Uh, that, you know, it, like I said, uh, whether it's a train gun or just, uh, you know, your, your basic injectable or um, a crack vial, uh, you know, not a crack vial, not crack cocaine, but a vial you crack and just rub, you know, kind of float underneath the, uh, your buddy's nose. Uh, I, I find that these, um, these chemicals and uh, uh, handy, handy side, um, side compartments that I always keep in my pants uh, that I don't wear, um, they, they help in these situations. Also, you, you know, you try to kind of, you know, cut the tension with a little levity, um, as I, uh, I have a lot of tension and anxiety and I deal with my own stuff in my own way. Uh, Klonopin, uh, Prozac, uh, you know, a serious regimen of things to just get my blood down from a boil. Mm. Um, because life is pretty stressful in, in, in my, um, neck of the woods, but I do. I, I, I do support the, the old, you know, turning, turn, turn a phrase. He might be a beast, but I'm a beast in bed. Whoa. Oh. That took, that did take a turn. Hey, just <laughs> yeah. to get a little personal um, for, to combat the stress of you ever, you ever tried like an emotional support animal because my ferret Pazuzu is the only thing yeah, I live I for, man. I, I take them on planes. I take them into bars. It's great. We're talking about a natural animal, not a something that is attached yeah. to you, right? You're a natural ferret. And then, yeah. Oh. Ferret, ferret, ferret. I just got a new chinchilla. His name is Squib. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, Pazuzu is my main ferret. He's my man. Is he, he 200, is he 200 pounds like mine, Vincent? Um, Gordon, I've got a question yeah. for you. This is from uh, Lance from Manhattan. He writes... Has anyone ever ever had a cosplay destination wedding, and is it a good idea? My fiance and I are big Evil Dead 2 fans and would like to share that experience with our friends and family. Wow. I'm not sure I'd phrase it like that exactly. But, Gordon, what, what do you think about that? That's, there's a lot to unpack there. Destination geek wedding, what do you think? You need to be clear about whether or not it is, in fact, a costume wedding, a fetish ball, or some sort of, I don't know, pearl fest. So, right now, personally, like, I told you I was, I'm in love again. And I gotta tell you, uh, I, I met this girl, man. Her, her, she goes by the name of Lucy, Lucy Fur. And man, she's got it all, man. She's like, she shares my love of taxidermy. Um, she, she's, a, she's a photographer. She's actually, you know, our town's leading uh, expert on dick pics and and you know mm. she, she has a fear of velcro so you know she checks all the boxes and i love her and i popped the question and she said no and then i asked her again and she said yes but um <clears throat> you know uh I, I what i what i what i'm really getting at is you have to have a theme you have to be in agreement on this um agreement consent all seems to be the theme of the night but agreeing on this is a big mm. part of it Evil Dead themed wedding, in my book, challenging to pull off. Not impossible, but challenging. Um, you, you know, you got to find the right cabin in the woods. Um, you got to, you know, you got to, you got to make sure that there's, there's, there's the, the book, the Necromonicon is there. 
Um, and, mm. you know, and, and somebody's got to die and get a pencil jammed into their ankle and then turn into, you know, um, some sort of dead eye. So I think it's really um, about the planning and the execution and who you invite and how many people are there and how much per head your, your, your meal is. And, and yeah, you, you just go for the wedding. The costumes are secondary, but just be clear about it. I have a, I have a follow-up question, actually, Gordon. Um, when you're uh, choosing the flavor of blood um, for those, those type of events, do you go with uh, you know, your typical strawberry? Do you go with raspberry? Or is there a flavor I haven't heard of yet? Um, that is, is red and, and kind of nature and, and could substitute for blood? Well, um, I actually developed my own formula. It's a, it's, it's a grape extract, grape seed extract. Mm. It's pretty tasty. Because yeah. uh, I was breaking out from that raspberry stuff. You know, even whether it's for film or recreational, that stuff will really get everywhere and menace with you. So um, yeah. personally, I like to, you know, have a little of my own mix. And uh, if it's cold or if it's warm, I use caro syrup. If it's if, mm. it, if, if, it, if it's cold, little trick of the trade, use vodka. True story. That that blood will oh. freeze up on you, none in the when you're shooting in Canada. Gregory, I've got a question for you. Uh, Liza from New York writes: I'm afraid my relationship is going to be destroyed by a pet peeve. Ooh. I organize my comic book collection by publisher and then alphabetically by title. My boyfriend organizes his comics by release date. This is madness. Mm. And it Ooh. makes me want to punch him right in the price guide, if you know what I mean. But Ooh. I love him, and I want to stay with him. How do you recommend getting past a relationship crippling pet Eve? First, I'd, I'd just like to comment on, on, the, on the way that they are alphabetizing their comics is both of them are incorrect. And oh. quite honestly, I, I, I really don't know how to... Um, orient myself around this question until first I clear up the alphabetizing. For example, I always alphabetize all my saga by King Robot. It goes under King Robot. And everything with Walking Dead goes under Negan. So you choose the character that you follow and mm. you organize all your comics against the character. So when you think, hmm, King Robot, I know saga and I go and get it and I read it and it makes sense. Very upsetting to me. It's a that's a that's a daring choice. I like that. What what do you what yeah. recommendations do you have? For, even if it's not about comic books, how do you how do you think that uh, people well, can get the peeves? I need to understand: is this a mechanical peeve or a peeve made of flesh and blood with the tentacles and the fangs? Hmm. Um, There's a pet theme show. I see. We have a pet theme show tonight. We do. We do. This is just something that is crawling under their skin and, again, not in an organism, uh, invading organism sort of way. Mm. Ah, clarify. ah, I see. So we're, we're really referring to more of an insect-like thing that gets under your skin and crawls until you're uncomfortable. Sort maybe, of. maybe just more like a, a troubling behavior. Mm. When Bad I meet habit. people with troubling behaviors, I first try to speak with them clearly and express myself hello elvira i've noticed that you organize your comic books around release date that is incorrect please don't do that or this relationship won't work well it's very simple you need to be clear and direct 
and concise and get to the point and establish your boundaries with someone. If you're going into a relationship, you need to know upfront that people can respect your boundaries or they will never respect you. Mm. And if they don't respect. respect you, they won't love you. And if they won't love you, mm. they won't be with you. They won't stay with you. There won't be staying power. And if there's not staying power, they're going to be a cheater. And if they're a cheater, you're going to feel jealous and insecure and angry. And if you're feeling insecure and angry, you might just do things that aren't within your own character. Oh, goodness, Gregory. I was getting wow. nervous for a sec. Almost fear wow. turned to hate. hate One time, I broke into I a convenience store and I ate all the green M&Ms out of every single package. And you know what? I did not feel sexually energized at all. That's, that's surprising. That's Whatever surprising. you are on, I want some. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I've got one more question, and this one is for JT. Uh, JT, yeah. I know you are uh, deep down a romantic and believe in the effectiveness in poetry. In fact, mm. uh, I believe you wrote an epic poem to your sweetie called Don't Mess With Tess. Uh, I apologize if that was meant to be personal between you and Tess, but some weirdo got a hold of it and posted it on Facebook. So it's out there now, man. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, I believe that your relationship with Tess has had some pretty crazy ups and downs. Do you have suggestions of romantic gestures that you'd recommend or that you'd not recommend that you use during your courtship? Some inspiration for the listeners, perhaps? I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed of my, uh, my uh, affection because... You know, as a biochemistry professor, I, I deal with uh, DNA sequences and, and splicing and gene recombination. Um, and, you know, it's math and letters. Uh, and so I feel like love is kind of like that in a way. Um, and if you find the right chemistry and the right chemistry, chemical balance between you and another person, whether your pet peeves or your pets or your peeves, or uh, your comic book ordering is is in line with this other person. Um, if the chemistry is right and uh, you've you found what what woos them, uh, you know whether it's chocolates or hearts or you know um, you know parades. I've I've done that before, um, and uh, you know I love a parade. And, uh, you know, poetry is the simplest form of expression in the English language. Um, there's no rules. And I feel like with relationships are based on the individual and there should be no rules. Um, but yeah, I really do think that any gesture, if it's from the heart and, um, it's based on found science and, uh, uh established scientific law, mm. uh, you know, um, you know, whether you Google it or hack it or um, there's there's no shortcut to to impressing the love that you find in, in another person and really, really going for it, putting yourself out there. Um, and that's, you know, really hard. But I think really as a, as a nerd geek and fellow um, fellow uh, wall hanger, um, I, I really feel that we're, we're, when we come to that inspiration to, to take that leap of faith and really, really um, express our love for another person, um, we do it right. Um, we're, not, uh, we're not your average Don Juans. Um, we, really, we really take our time and then choose wisely. And I feel like uh, that's an important thing when it comes to, uh, you know, 
being inspired and, and finding inspiration and wooing the heck out of your, uh, your, your bow or your boo or your, you know, <laughs> you know, okay. it, it betrothed. That's beautiful. <laughs> that was tremendous. Sorry. Yes. Um, I love that. I, Yes, sorry. Um, I went on. I, I tend to get uh, long-winded in these in these cases because uh, when you're talking about tests and you're talking about love, and you know how long it took, it, opposites attract, and sometimes you know, sometimes it fits like a a, a puzzle piece, and that's just Ooh. that's just life. But I wouldn't run away from it. I wouldn't try to find you know yourself in another. Um, find another in yourself. Find another in myself. Not a worm. Don't start cutting again, Gregory. Don't start cutting. Yes. Well, I I think that was magnificent. Uh, I I knew it. You did not disappoint. You are indeed a romantic, and I love everything that you did, not to mention the fact that I appreciate that you tied together this entire segment by everything that you brought up. (laughs) That was wonderful. And with that, we conclude this year's edition of the 1.21 Gigawatts Relationship Advice Panel. Uh, Again, I'm uh, grateful to my guest, Gordon Float, Gregory Plymouth Hastings, and our special guest, J.T. Forbes. I think maybe the most important thing about this segment tonight is that it also included the phrase market value horse tranquilizer, and that is a first for the segment, so I appreciate that. Remember, everyone, as always, if your heart's in a jam, you know where we am. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Way back in July, I received a message on Instagram from comic book writer Kalani Caraballo, who introduced himself and immediately started a conversation about doing an interview on the podcast. Confident, gutsy, and direct. Those are the traits that define Kalani, his company, Dummy Comics, as well as their self-published titles like Home and Manifesto. The core team making it happen at Dummy Comics includes Kalani, editor and co-founder Chrissy Torres, and artist Frank Castro. This is a group that hustles to bring their independent comic book titles to life and frankly could probably teach us all a thing or two about what it takes to build your dreams. I sat down with the Demi Comics team at Eastside Mags in Montclair, New Jersey on August 18th, a date which also happened to be Kalani's birthday. Look, do you have to get him a birthday present this year? Not necessarily, but if you happen to stumble over some back issues of the NFL Super Pro comic book, trust me, Kalani would be pretty psyched to have them. If you ask the average consumer of pop culture to name a comic book publisher, chances are they'd say Marvel or DC. Comic book readers might throw out publishers like Dark Horse or Image, but beyond the majors, there is an ocean of small print publishers who don't have a giant corporate infrastructure to lean on, who create comics with blood, sweat, and tears, propelled by an idea, their passion, probably a lack of sleep. One of those publishers is Dummy Comics, and we've got the core crew here to talk about their adventures in self-publishing. Let's meet them now. Uh, Kalani Caraballo, creator and writer of titles like Home and Manifesto. Say hello. Hello. Memorize that voice. Uh, Chrissy Torres, editor and co-founder of Dummy Comics. Hi. (laughs) And Frank Castro, artist on these books as well. Hello. 
Welcome to 1.21 gigawatts, guys. I'm psyched to talk with you. Um, I want to start at the beginning and talk about how you all got uh, got the bug to step into comics, taking the leap from fan to pro. Um, Kalani, since you're the birthday boy, <laughs> let's start with you. You could be doing anything. You were making music at one point even. What's your origin story as a, as a comic book creator? Okay, um, before I got into comic book writing, I was doing music. And while I was doing a project with, with my best friend, I was deep diving YouTube, looking for samples and different things to use for the project that we were doing at the time. And when I was deep diving, there was a, um, one video that I had clicked on, had a suggested video on the side, and it was um, the music channel Fuse. They had uh, the art, a California rapper named uh, Murs. So they were shopping with him at um, Midtown Comics, so he was breaking down like different things, like his spending habits, the Black Panther, yeah. and things like that. But in the video, he stated that he, uh, that he had did his own comic book. And then he did his own comic book, and then he, he had a booth. He said he had a booth at Comic-Con. He did a Kickstarter and everything for the book. And it kind of got me excited, and it kind of got me thinking. And then um, right from there, I started thinking about a comic book to write. So... That's, that's kind of cool. So then you were still approaching it still from the perspective of a musician saying, yeah. I also could do this on the side. Yeah, yeah. And then at some point, yeah. it, it sort of took forefront. Yeah. Uh, the original idea was, was to do like a comic. And then uh, I was going to do like a soundtrack for the comic. The, the whole nine. Like I had this whole, this whole plan and idea. But that comic didn't even like make it past. Like, <laughs> didn't even make it past the, the cutting room floor. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like that though. That's, I, I like that you've got that inherent instinct because a lot of people have ideas that are like, the best thing I can do for my story is to get rid of this original idea, which is not working, which it's sometimes hard to like, you know, quote unquote, kill your babies sometimes to get to the good stuff. Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty hard because it was, um, because it was like, I, I was kind of invested into that idea really yeah. early. So, um, it was pretty hard to kind of just let it go. It was kind of just like hitting a wall creatively, like n nothing against the artist, but I don't even think the artist was experienced in, in doing comics at the time. He was more of a, a video game guy. And then, yeah, so it kind of like, I don't think he knew what to like really look for. And I was still starting out, so I myself didn't even know what to look for. So, yeah. Very cool. Uh, Chrissy, have you always been a comics fan? Did you get dragged into it, or have you been have been in this life even longer than these guys? No. For um, Comics to me was Sunday cartoons in the paper. <laughs> That's what literally I thought it was. And then I used to watch all cartoons as a kid, so I was a real Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. But then when I met Kalani, he, like, I think after our first date, he's like, oh, I want you to come to some place with me. And I'm like, okay, where? He's like, the comic book store. Oh, and I was romance. like, oh, okay. So I went with him, and I found found Miss Marvel and that was when Miss Marvel the first one with Kamala Khan first came out and that's when I became a fan of nice. comics yeah Very cool. it was really cool um, and uh, Frank what was your initial attraction to comics and how did you get involved with these two um, initial attraction to comics I think it was Marvel yeah uh, mostly X-Men and Punisher comics okay um, yeah mostly just usually read a lot of comics since sure. I was a kid sure. and I haven't stopped um, and uh, I met Chrissy and Kalani uh, online. They contacted me through a freelancing site, and um, I, I just liked the sound of their projects. So, I, cool. you know, I just I was just interested as well, mm -hmm. and um, decided to work with them. And after working on Manifesto Two, um, we just developed a pretty good working relationship. And I offered to do 
Well, they offered, you know, to give me more work, and I was like, yeah, I really like working with them a lot, so continued to work with them some more. Excellent. Well, let's talk more specifically about the, the those titles, the big titles from, from Dummy Comics. So one of them is Home. Uh, it tells the story of a kid named Giovanni whose childhood home was some serious supernatural stuff going on. Um, and it is uh, mentioned in a few places that Home is based on true events, which leads me to the question, what? <laughs> Who, who's, who's true events? Uh, it's the true events of my best friend Giovanni is actually a real person. Yeah. Uh, his house was haunted when we were growing up. It was a house in North Plainfield. Uh, if you buy issue two, I kind of uh, I explained it in an essay in the uh, in the back of the book. Yeah. Did you ever get to visit that house? Oh, yeah, yeah. I visited that house a couple of times. A couple of things happened to me. What? All right, well, like so what? That, 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 that was like, um, if you look at uh, Home 1, yeah, yeah. It, it tells you. Yeah, so most of the stuff that that happens in the story I was around for or I heard it, like, secondhand. Well, Home 1 is a creepy read. So um, uh, congratulations, and I hope the therapy went well that you're sitting here today. Um, there, uh, There is some pretty deeply creepy imagery in there. Um, how much of that, so some of that comes from your experience, um, and I was going to say, I, initially I was going to ask you, Frank, how much of that comes from you or how much of it came from the scripting. I mean, because it seems so specific in some places about, like, and then there was this thing, and their eyes are sort of hollowed out or whatever. Um, how... Uh, when, when you get a script like that from him, how much of it is like, do I get to play with this, or am I just trying to recreate your nightmares at this point? Um, that's a funny story, actually, because uh, when I went into it, um, I noticed originally and there wasn't too many horror elements in the book. Um, when they happened, they happened, but I felt that there, there were some scenes where I could probably um, yeah, allude to more supernatural things happening. And I, I think one day I got really excited um, working on the first issue and I was messaging Kalani while I was at work. And I was like, hey, I, I thought of a good scene for this, for the end where, you know, we could really like set it off for, get people interested in the second issue. And um, he had to, he had to curb the excitement a little bit because I had, at one point I talked about action figures coming to life and vomiting. And then at that point, that's when he's like, all right, all right. I was cool to everything else up until you got to that part. Let's let's cut it there and then yeah. I was like, what? Well, I think that's funny that I mean, knowing what happens in there, like there's a dude with like long claw fingers who like sort of peels a, a mask or face or something in half, and then there's like maggots yeah. coming out. However, vomiting action figures. Let's pump the brakes. Yeah, yeah. That's just that's crazy talk right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was cool with everything up until the vomit, yeah. Because I remember reading it, and I was like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. And then I saw the, I heard the vomit part, then I started laughing, then I was like, I was trying to, like, picture it in my mind. And then I was like, I was like, all right, all right, all right. I was like, yeah, we're having too much fun, but I hate to be that guy, but, you know, I loved it, though. I still, <laughs> Which is good. It's, it's good that you, you stopped that because I was running out of space. <laughs> so like, Great. We're going to have to increase the page count by four pages to work in the whole vomiting action figure sequence. Um, let's talk about the other one also Manifesto, probably the, the other big dog in the Dummy Comics pantheon. I've read the first two issues, um, but this time I'm going to shut up and I'll let you guys talk about what Manifesto is all about. You can describe it. Okay, well, Manifesto is um, it's a revenge story. It's about a police officer named Greg Wolfman who um, takes down a uh, drug cartel, and it, while taking down the drug cartel, he exposes uh, other officers in his own department being in on the take. And his family does get killed, and you know he goes rogue, and he's out for blood. It's true, I've read it. Um, he he's an interesting character because 
you know, the character starts in a familiar place. It's a, you know, it's kind of a like a Punisher-y style backstory or whatever, but he quickly gets like really pretty unhinged. Um, is it is it fun? Is it hard to um, write a character who's not entirely sympathetic, um, is a little bit racist, an innocent person or two might go down. Um, tell me about climbing inside his head. Um, well, I was, when I read, when I started writing this story, I was just trying, I originally wanted to make like a, uh, like a dirtier cop story, like kind of like mm. a, like a kind of go from there. And then the idea of a manifesto really worked out. And then I always get the, uh, the Punisher uh, thing, where people are always like, oh, it sounds like the Punisher. And I remember we did a, uh, the first event that we put the book actually on a table. Somebody, and I explained to somebody what it was about. They were like, oh, like the Punisher. So I was like, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't really think of the, cor- I didn't make, I actually did not sure. make the correlation because it's really different, but. Um, yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't mean to pigeonhole you into that. I mean, there are, there are comparisons. Like, that's the easy way to describe it. Like, yeah. that's the elevator yeah, pitch. Definitely. But as soon as you start to read it, for sure, it, it deviates away from that, and you realize that Greg yeah. Wolfman is, he's, he's not right. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, maybe, maybe you understand where he's coming from, but, yeah, he's a little messed up. That's what I wanted. I wanted the reader to uh, sympathize with him a little bit, but then you can't really sympathize with him because he's, you know, kind of a mass murderer. <laughs> so I wanted people to kind of root for the bad guy and root for the good guy and hate the bad guy at the same time. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so Chrissy and Kalani, you guys are engaged. Congratulations. Hey. Um, my wife and I have spent a lot of years not only as partners, but also as creative collaborators, and, and that often results in some really amazing work, but sometimes it can get a little frustrating and lead to conflicts because the person who you create with also lives where you live. <laughs> um, I love you, honey, if you're listening. Um, how has that been working for you two? And I feel like we're in therapy at this point, so uh, let's dive into that. Uh, it works out very well. Uh, she is my editor, so um, when I do these scripts, even with Frank and um, Chrissy as well, with her editing and with his drawing, if they find something that they feel could be better, I'm always welcome to the change. I don't mind the change, except you know, when toys vomit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm usually open. So if anything, she says, "Hey, you know, this scene could be a little bit better, or maybe you should change the word, or you know." you know, fix your writing a little bit, make it more intense or anything. I always follow the advice of, of my people, so. Sure. Does, does that sound about right to you? It sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't planning to be the editor when we first started this, but I said, hey, I mean, I got pretty good grades in English class. I think we can do this. Uh, but my whole thing was when he first told me about comics and his idea, I graduated with marketing, so I mm. know the marketing side. So I'm like, yeah, we can do this. And then I just became an editor, and he became the marketer. So, because he's like, he's really good with social media marketing. Like, he has, he's on the ball with that, I would say more than I am. Because if between the hours of eight and five, I'm barely looking at my phone at work. But he has the luxury that he can, you know, at his job, it's okay if he looks at his phone. So, Mm. you know, so he's really become more than just a writer. He's become the marketing person, you know, he's he's the brains and everything else. And I feel I deal with the money and, you know. Sure. Uh, the re- that type of aspect <laughs> of it all. Sure. But sure. yeah, when it came to editing the books, it just became natural to me. I was just, I was read, when I first started reading his scripts, even a project that never came to light was uh, his first script for Last of a Dying Breed. And um, I was like, oh, you know, we could change it like this. And then I said, 
I didn't know there was a thing as comic editors. I didn't know that. I didn't know that people change panels and that's what they're supposed to do. And it just happened. When it comes to Frank, Frank basically checks in on us before we even have a chance to check in with him. Because he'll just say, hey, I have an idea for this. The only time we check in on Frank is when we're trying to figure out what's next after what he's currently working on. You know, because it's constant communication with these two. They, they have a great working relationship together. So it's like Frank is our missing Kirby to Stanley. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, it sounds to me like you just got a four-star Yelp review. That's what I'm saying. Right now. Uh, congratulations on that. So so let's talk about, about that balance. You were sort of touching on um, the day jobs. Uh, that um, Yeah, woof, woof, says Frank. So let's talk about that, the work-life creative balance. So if, if you guys all have regular civilian jobs that you're squeezing comic book creation in every spare moment, I'm guessing, um, What's the secret? How do, you, how do you get it all done? Frank, we're going to start with you since, uh, A, you were just compared to Jack Kirby, um, and uh, B, because that's tough, and, and uh, drawing is a long, laborious process sometimes. Yeah. Well, um, what I do for my job, it's a lot of like self-starter sure. stuff. Um, I edit a newsletter, and I work on their website. So a lot of it, it's like I have to... I have to be the one taking initiative with that, so it's, it um, you know, it just parallels what I yeah. do with the freelance work. Yeah. Um, when I come home, that's when I, as soon as I get home, usually that's when I start um, drawing and checking yeah. emails and everything. When do you, when would you say, like, if, if a typical day is coming home and then you're going to get started in the evening, when would you sit down and how long might you go? Um, I'll, I'll probably start around 6 or 7 o'clock when I get home, yeah. and then probably go until 2.30 or 3. Yeah. Um, we, well, to be realistic, some nights, like, if I get a good pace going and I, I'm able to finish a page or two, um, I'll usually just goof off and watch a lot of stuff on YouTube until, <laughs> like, till, usually it'll be, like, two to three. And then three o'clock's when I can probably settle down and then go to sleep. Um, if, I'm, if I get home in the evening, usually I'll start around 10 and then end usually at three. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, yeah, like five, probably like another five hours or something like that. Sure. But even then, it's like if I'm doing a night shift, I, I can sneak in some drawing during the day. Mm-hmm. And that's when I can do a lot of layouts and everything and then just do the finished works when I get, the finished um, line work when I get home. Right, right. Yeah. I, Kalani, it sounded like you can occasionally squeeze in some of your extracurriculars at work. Is that true? Uh, yeah, usually um, my job is like, it's not like, uh, a brain, t- uh, like a, like you know, like a astronaut has to do it or anything. You know? <laughs> so usually I I'll squeeze in like a little bit of writing. You're in NASA mission control. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I write a little bit, and then it's that lunch break, man. Like you know, I got an hour lunch break, so I divvy it up. So I give I give maybe like 15 to 20 minutes to eat, and then the rest is is all writing. Mm. Yeah. Jeez. Are, were there were there resources out there that you were all able to lean on in order to get started or or know how to do this? I mean, I guess specifically in your cases that you two sort of picked it up like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Let's try this out. Was there someone to help you, help take you beyond, um, or even in your case, Frank, like, I want to be an artist. I want to be a writer. Um, someone to point you in the right direction at the beginning just to give you a booster. Was this all sort of feeling your way through, like, this yeah. kind of works? My learning, my learning curve was, was pretty, was was long. Yeah. <laughs> I had a long like cur- cur- learning curve. Um, I couldn't find an artist in the beginning, you know. I think that's one of the reasons why I love coming to Eastside because uh, 
I came in here as a customer a while back. Well, when the when they first opened. And uh, I asked uh, Jeff, the owner that runs here, if he knew any artists. And he actually said, hey, man, I'll, I'll look you out. Like, I'll see if anybody wants to wants to help out. Mm. He didn't find anybody, but he was still, you know, welcoming and still able. Yeah, so he was still able, you know. So he was like, I guess he, I don't know if he really believed it or anything, but he was just like, oh, man, you know, like, oh, I'll help you out. Like, yeah. But we never uh, materialized anything from that, but it made me look at him a lot different. I was like, that's pretty cool, but... Sure. That's about the only like help that anybody really tried to give. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I didn't get no, I didn't have anybody that was like, I didn't have anybody to like little brother me, I guess. Into sure, it. Yeah. sure, sure. Chrissy, you answered that pretty quickly to say like, nope, no one. <laughs> no, because I remember in the beginning, I spent so many hours deep diving Google, like <laughs> searching different things. How do we do this? How do we do that? Um, printers, artists, you know, we came across freelance and thank God when we came across that, that's when we were looking for a new artist for um, Manifesto and we found Frank and Frank pulled off a miracle for us because we were, we were working with someone and he basically disappeared with Manifesto too. Like we hadn't heard from him in months and just fell off the face of the earth and we needed it because we were doing a show and we had promised it as a debut and then Frank pulled it off for us in three months and we were able to rock it out and it was just great but in the beginning we really didn't have anybody look us out you know um just like Kalani said when he would come in here you know Jeff was always open warm welcoming to us and you know even when we said oh you know we didn't think many people believed us at first when we said yeah we're, we're starting our own comics like we're doing this and I think people thought yeah yeah sure because I'm sure lots of people say it we hear it all the time from people too and you know so we really like I remember I did a lot of research in the beginning now I would say it's mostly Kalani um, as far as finding events and everything he's he's the captain of that ship you know during the work day anyway and you know I would say I'm more part-time weekends at this time at this point because you know um, my job is super demanding during the work week and then when you get home I have to cook dinner we got to walk our dogs and you know do all the rest of the stuff and he has he could have the time that he's like I want to sit down and write and stay up all night so you know how he does it I don't know but he does (laughs) I'll ask him what time do you go to sleep I don't know two three four who knows or he gets stuck like Frank deep diving YouTube and then stuck like Frank deep diving. Oh, um, how about you, Frank? In the beginning, like when you were starting out in illustration, did you go to school for it, or was this also something that just sort of picked up a pencil and said, "Anyone want to show me how to do this? No one. All right, I guess I'll do it." I mean, um, learning how to draw was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> my dad, who's actually here, gave me like this like tutorial um, because I don't know, I, I just wasn't getting the hang of it, and he did a tutorial. He did a tutorial for me one night, and then it just took off from there. Um, the problem is that I'm very, uh, very uh, one-track-minded, so it's like I get really obsessed with things. Ah. And, um, yeah. The perfectionism gene sweeping through dummy comics. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, as, as far as, like, like schooling and everything, I, I went to art school. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a mistake or not. <laughs> it was fun, but, um, you know, you, I wouldn't recommend it <laughs> in the long run. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it had really had nothing to do with the uh, the comic book illustration or anything. That I I just uh, got my chops back up, started drawing again, and then um, I put my work out there again and just see if I could catch any jobs. Sure, sure. Um, Chrissy, you sort of talked about uh, when people come up to you guys now and say like, I want to, hey, I'm I'm planning on doing this too, and you're like, okay, great. Um, is 
Is there is there advice now that you guys have been in it and like you've done it? There's, I mean, multiple issues of published work. It's happening. Um, is there advice that you guys would give now for the next next generation? I mean, even if it's just like, all right, when you're looking for someone to actually print the book, do such and such. Is there anything that stumped that jumps out? I would say the only advice I could give is just don't give up. If you're really, if your heart is really set on it, you just keep pushing and keep pushing because eventually it'll happen. Like us, we've done it, no Kickstarter, no anything. It's been out of our pocket and our hard work that we're using to pay for the issues to get made, to pay for the printing, to pay for the shows, to pay for everything else, you know. We've invested a lot of our own money and we wouldn't do that if we didn't really believe in it, you know. And between doing that as as uh, publishers and then in our personal life, we, we've had to, you know, shuffle money around so that we can make sure we have money for everything. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Know your money, know your budgets, and just don't give up because everything is possible. Like, we're, we're just thankful to be where we are now because, like, we've done this book tour and we're thankful to the stores that have had us because, you know, they're not asking for anything from us. They just, they let us pop up. They let us sell. If we sell, we sell. If we don't, you know, there's good days and bad days. Um, but everything, it's just, from where we were in 2016 when we started to where we are now, I would say you just can't give up. There's been days when we felt like, this, like, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? Like, why are we still doing this? Like, you know, we feel like nothing's happening. And I know Kalani feels it really, really more than I do because this is his dream. And um, it became my dream. Like, I tell him, like, yeah, it was your dream to start, but then it became mine because my dream, your dream became my dream. So that's why I say, like, you just can't give up on yourself and you can't give up on your dream and the faith in yourself. Keep the faith. That's I have it tattooed on me. I'm, I'm a big believer in faith. I know with faith anything can happen. So, you know. Nice. Nice. And my, my advice is always just simple. It's just just do it. Just bear the grunt of it, you know? Uh -huh. And just, uh, just cry a little, man. Take the, you know, <laughs> wipe the blood off a little bit, man. Just got to do it. And that's just, it has to exist, you know? That's just the... That's my motto. It just it just has to exist. It's always a little bit deeper to dig if you can. When when you're an independent publisher and the advertising budget is somewhere in the range from small to non-existent, um, the promotional efforts all come down to you. We've been talking about that a little bit, and I'll give you guys credit. You hustle. There's there's no question. Uh, and you've been making the conventions rounds. You've been wrapping up the summer book tour. Where as we've mentioned already, here at East Side Mags in Montclair, New Jersey, for the grand finale. Um, can you tell me about some of, uh, of the most successful and effective promotional tools and tactics that you guys have, uh, have or have discovered, I guess, over the years? What works and, and what does not work? Well, um, as far as what I do, um, to, to pretty much market a comic book, you have to give people the book. So we've done things like, I've done things where I upload these all these comics to Webtoons. I let people read them for free. I encourage people to read them for free. If you want to buy the physical, by all means, buy the physical. As long as they're being read, that's the most important part to me. I've done things where I've joined comic Facebook groups and I've given away books. I've been like, oh, the first five people to... DM, to, to DM me their, their address, I'll mail the book out to them, I'll give them to them. I'll, t I'll pay for the, my own books out of my own pocket. It doesn't bother me, but as long as, you know, that's just the promotion of what sure. we've done, because I believe in it. I believe in it so much that I'll give it away for free, and I'll know that you'll want to come back and buy the next one. Yeah, so. Smart, I got that. I would that. say, I would say um, 
The most effective tool is his social media marketing, is hashtags. People, a lot of people look down on hashtags like, oh, you're only doing it to get followers. Like, that's what hashtags are for. (laughs) People are going to look at a hashtag and they're going to say, oh, if it's Disney World, oh, well, let's see what's going on in Disney World. I like Disney World. Let's see what's going on in comics. And then, hey, Dummy Comics keeps popping up. What is Dummy Comics? Mm -hmm. I don't see any problem with hashtags. Hashtags were created as a marketing tool. So, boom, hashtags have gotten us. I think a lot farther as as far as getting people to know us because we've had people DM us on Instagram and say hey are you looking for artists like and they're from like Argentina and I'm like how do you find us they're like your hashtag I'm like hello it's working yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um, Frank what did did you have anything that helped you out when you were looking I think you mentioned the, the freelance website at some point right so that stuff has been pretty effective for you that's the only website I've used. <laughs> that's the only. That's I, I, I've gotten a lot of. I've gotten a lot of gigs through it. Um, it. It's really weird. I don't know if the website has anything to do with this, but usually when I don't have any jobs, someone comes along. Nice. I don't know how that happens. It's the universe is looking out for you, man, for sure. <laughs> so I found Frank, and it was just me clicking, 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 kicking, clicking, and I'm like, you know, you suck, you suck, you suck. And I tell him, like, because Kalani has this thing. He's like, you can look for artists, too. I'm like, yeah, but you're the one who writes the stories. You know in your mind what you see in the story when you when you write it. Like, he envisions it. Like, he's so creative in that way. And when I'm looking for artists, I go off what he's telling me that he envisions. But as far as if it's a new script, I can't envision what he's envisioning. So when... We knew what we wanted for Manifesto, and I came across Frank. I was like, oh, my God. And then I looked. He was local because our previous artist was in Mexico. So I said, no, we need someone in Jersey. <laughs> like, or we need someone in, that's in the tri-state that we can actually talk to and, you know, have a communications with. Yeah. And I found Frank's art, and I remember I screenshotted it. I sent it to him, and I was like, I'm going to email this guy. This and then guy. as soon as I emailed Frank, and Frank was like, yeah, I'm interested, then Kalani and Frank have been talking ever since, and I barely talked to Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited that I get to introduce you today. Yeah. That's um, that's pretty exciting. So um, uh, as as we start winding up here, uh, Kalani and I have been trading Instagram likes recently, which is which has been cool. Thanks for that. Uh, and I've seen your letter from Comic Book Legend, the recently deceased Steve Ditko, uh, and it's and it's pretty funny. And and I'd love it if you'd tell the story behind that. Okay, um, I have found uh, Steve Ditko's uh, address. I think someone had posted it, and. I decided to write him a letter one day, and I wrote him a letter. Um, I was asking him for advice. I told him, you know, I publish my own, I'm starting to publish my own comics. I write. Um, I'd like any advice. And he wrote me back saying, on the same letter, too, on the same p- paper that I sent. The same piece of paper. Yeah, it says, it says, hurt hand. I don't have advice on anything. Steve, <laughs> that it says regards, Steve Dick. <laughs> so he's he's giving you a medical update first of all. Like if we break this down, yeah. the poor guy like not feeling great. Yeah, no, <laughs> I absolutely loved the letter. It um, when I got it, it was like during a time where it was like where I could have really used to pick me up. And then when I saw, when I went to go check my mail and it says, you know, the return address says Steve Dicko, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Then I opened it and then it it was the, you know, the the medical update, (laughs) the medical update and him telling me that he doesn't have advice on anything. I was kind of like, I was kind of bummed, but then I realized, I was like, wait, dude, this is the guy that made Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Like, you just got his... uh, you know, his signature for a price of a stamp. Yeah, right. So I, I looked at it with the positives, <laughs> and then I also realized that a lot of my creator friends have all gotten re- letters from 
from Steve Dicko. So they've all written him and gotten letters back. So I look at it as kind of a, I guess, like a creator's thing that he has to at least be snarky. And they all say, like, my eye hurts. Good luck. I have nothing to give. (laughs) On that topic, um, I guess if you are going to freelance or do any sort of work like this, Definitely have a job with a good health care plan. <laughs> I, I, it sounds funny, but I'm actually kind of serious about this because I'll read these horror stories about these, these guys from a few it's generations true. ago. It's true. I mean, I've seen what some of these guys look like now, and it's, it's not good. I don't, yeah. like a lot of these guys, I guess because they're, they're not under contract anymore, they don't have health care plans. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm 34 years old now and I'm concerned about this sort of thing. It's, you know, I'm on a podcast, so I'm like, make sure you get a good health care plan because it's super important. Exactly. <laughs> Or, or have a partner that has a really good health care yeah, plan right, and, get, right. and, get, and get on their, their health care. Thanks, PCG. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. Well, that's true. That's probably the dirty little secret is that we owe a lot to corporate America whether or not we want to admit it. Like, thanks for paying me even when I was sketching in the corner. Yeah. Uh, I can stay up till 4 in the morning because of a good health care plan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right? I, I love that it comes down to this, that Frank's metabolism has finally slowed down yeah. now that he's hit the ripe old age of 34 and it's <laughs> getting real out there people it's getting real all right so if people want to stay up to date on the latest from dummy comics there are other comics we haven't even talked about there's pistol grip there's all kinds of good stuff out there um where can people find you where can they buy okay uh to buy we have a web a web store on gumroad.com so that's gumroad.com slash dummy comics inc you can buy everything there from digital comics to to the physical copies as well as our manifesto t-shirts and you can find us on, uh, we're on Facebook as well, uh, facebook.com slash Dummy Comics Inc., as well as uh, on Instagram. And I, I actually actually have my personal Instagram, which is uh, Caraballo at Instagram. That's a lot. That's a lot of social media to chase. A lot of social media, but yeah. We're everywhere. They're everywhere. I like to think that we're everywhere now. Follow those hashtags. Chrissy knows what she's talking about. Also, um, basically every store in the tri-state, I would say, local to New York, has our books. Snap. All right. Well, then, mission accomplished. Um, Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it, and happy birthday. Hope it's the best birthday ever. In the months since this interview, as you'd imagine, Dummy Comics has continued to crank out content and put even more books on the shelves, including Home Number 3, Manifesto Number 3, and other titles like Manifesto Armory, Pistol Grip, and Messenger. Plus, Dummy Comics will be in Artist's Alley at C2E2 in Chicago, where they'll have compendium editions of Home and Manifesto. And there's yet another top-secret project percolating in collaboration with artist David Jackson. I'd ask when these guys sleep, but I think they made it pretty clear in the interview that the answer is never. That's it for this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts. Many thanks to my guests Kalani Caraballo, Chrissy Torres, and Frank Castro. Thanks also to Jeff Beck at Eastside Mags in Montclair, New Jersey for letting me crash and record at the Dummy Comics event at his fine establishment. And it's curtain call time for the cast of the Relationship Advice Panel as Gordon Float, improv veteran Alex Brewer. In the role of Gregory Plymouth Hastings, another improv superstar, Jason Addis. And reprising his role as J.T. Forbes from the hit TV show Beauty and the Beast, give it up for Austin Basis. And thanks, of course, to you for inviting me into your ear canals to nerd out. It means more to me than you know. I'd love to hear what you think about this latest audio adventure. What do you like? 
and what deserves to be hung from the frozen ceiling of a wampa cave until it gets seriously freezer burned beyond recognition. You can tell me by leaving me a message at one of the show's many social media channels. They are the 1.21 Gigawatts Facebook page, where you can follow and discuss the latest film, TV, comic book, and genre entertainment news. On Twitter, I'm at 121Gigawatts, and on Instagram, I'm 1.21 underscore Gigawatts. Plus, you can find all of those feeds in one magnificent destination at the 1.21 Gigawatts website. It has photos, blog entries, every episode to date, newsletter sign-up information, and more. Get thee to www.121gigawatts.com and wallow in the nerdliness. And while you're nerding around on the internet, be sure to visit marvel.com where you can find more of my work as the writer of the Marvel Top 10 video series. The latest episodes are Top 10 Silver Age Monsters and Top 10 Leaders, a list which curiously does not include the Hulk villain who actually calls himself the leader. Huh. Visit marvel.com to see who made the cut. And you know what else? I've got something else to plug. Back on episode number 33, you heard all about an interactive educational digital comic book that was being created for the New York Hall of Science. Well, guess what? It's live. Transmissions Gone Viral can be yours to peruse at your leisure at nysci.org slash transmissions. I produced this beast and I would love to share it with you. Go check it out. I don't know if you're aware of this, but every episode of this podcast is available for free in the podcast section on iTunes. It's so easy to subscribe and never miss a geeky second. We want this show to grow and you can help. Whether you're a subscriber or not, I would be so grateful if you left the show a review, hopefully a good review, over on iTunes, which will help more people find the show because that's how computer algorithms work, apparently. If you're not an iTunes user, you can also find us by searching for 1.21 gigawatts at soundcloud.com or on Player FM. You clearly found us on one of those platforms, so congratulations! Browse the episodes listed there and check out another one. I'll even make a recommendation. If you enjoyed this episode's relationship advice panel, you're going to want to hear our extended conversation with the man behind JT Forbes, actor Austin Basis. Austin talks about his time on the CW's Beauty and the Beast, as well as his comic book project, The Kinetics. We're so lucky to have Austin as a friend of the show. He's such a good dude. That's episode number 26 of 1.21 Gigawatts. Give it a listen as soon as you finish this one. Huge gratitude to the vicar of the vocal booth, composer, and my co-producer, David Sisko. Destiny. You are and remain the best, Sisko. Dear listener, if you enjoyed this travel-sized chunk of geekitude, please share it with a nerdy friend. You can follow, like, etc. all of those social media accounts mentioned a few seconds ago and let people know that you're listening. I'm Brad Barton, and until next time, here's nerd rock band H2Awesome rocking out with the 1.21 Gigawatts theme song. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Gigawatts, whatever geek wants is what we got. From Doctor Who to Aqualad, you might meet Luke and Leia's dad. Pop culture that is super rad, hosted by some guy named Brad. It'll rock you to your nylon Cylon socks. 1.21 freaking Gigawatts.
You can only do your best if you're doing what you like to do. If you're trying to write to please other people, you don't know other people. You think you do, but you don't. But you know yourself. And if you write something that pleases yourself, then it can be genuine. <laughs>